Hi, this is Rachel on Recover. We're back with Carissa Brim, and she's going to tell the rest of her story. Um, how has this impacted your marriage? Yeah, you know, it's um, it was in marriage that I kind of had to come to terms with what was happening because I basically experienced the trauma and then went, gosh, about seven years without really doing anything about it, <laughs> like therapy or whatever. I had a couple sessions and then I ghosted a therapist and that was that, you know? And, um, when you're in marriage in like a safe, committed relationship, you can't hide all the parts of yourself no. <laughs> that you used to be able to, you are, you know, on display for better or worse. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I, I started getting triggered really bad and I didn't even know that's what was happening. All I knew is that I was experiencing these things that I called rage blackouts. Like I would get triggered and then I would here comes the anger and now I'm just like so disassociation basically blacked out exactly exactly and you know it was in those moments that I was like this is not this isn't normal like something's wrong you know something is not right and that was really the catalyst to like get me into therapy and like really processing this piece of my story um yeah and so I mean that's been really helpful and helpful just to realize too, that that didn't mean that my marriage was bad. You know, I, I think kind of the opposite, your brain and your body, it, it is protecting you, you know, like that's one of its main goals. And so it shields you from a lot of the reality of your pain until you're in a place of safety where you can start to kind of process it and lay it all out on the table. And so, you know, a lot of people, you find yourself in a safe relational setting and then whoosh here it all comes <laughs> you know so that was um yeah that was a huge part of our like early marital years and you know trying to figure that out for both of us you know how can we figure out how to heal from these triggers and also like be respectful of them and kind of create our own ecosystem yeah um it sounds like he's very supportive of you absolutely yeah i mean I don't want to paint it in rose colored glasses. Like when it was happening, it was so hard, you know, like I think, I think he wanted to be supportive and it was also, I just didn't have very good language to describe what I was doing. So it seemed like I was just all of a sudden acting like this version of a person he hadn't seen, didn't know like what's going on. And so it took a lot of, um, I really have to applaud him for like the, the patience and resolve it took for him to, walk through it with me while I figured out what the hell was happening. You know, he didn't have to do that. And that was really impactful that he did. I mean, I'm guessing your dating was much different from your previous relationship with your husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. There was, yeah. Definitely. I So kind of an interesting element of our story is I was very good friends with my husband um, in the, the year, like the couple years right after my assault. And so he witnessed my dating. <laughs> so he saw me making a lot of choices that, wow, I wish he hadn't seen. <laughs> so in some senses, that kind of fast tracked a little bit, you know, because I, you know, he had already his own account of 
what I was experiencing. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of, um, yeah, reached a point after kind of my tumultuous dating that I realized this isn't, this isn't serving me. This isn't benefiting me. This is contributing to a sense of identity that doesn't feel authentic with who I am. And so when I started kind of white knuckling that course correction is when um, our relationship really took off and the rest is history. So <laughs> it sounds like it worked out and, you know, it's, yeah, it sounds like he's a good man. Yeah, he definitely is. And hmm. um, how has this impacted your occupation? Yeah, that's such an interesting question. I think automatically in my mind, I kind of split it into t- two different types of answers. So how has it impacted my reputation? I think the first part is like the truth of how it actually did. And then I think there's a second part that's kind of the fear of, you know, what I'm afraid it will, like how I'm afraid it will impact my reputation. So as I've kind of alluded to so far in this conversation, you know, the immediate aftermath was a mess. And um, I didn't understand what was happening to me. The people around me didn't understand. Um and when you are consumed in pain, even if you haven't like necessarily registered why or like the exact details of it, it's it's a normal response to to look inward and become very self-focused, right? Like you're trying to devote all of your resources to fixing something that's not okay. But that also makes you kind of selfish and um I'm not necessarily putting a good or bad on that. You know, I think it's just the reality is I, I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on around me, being reckless and, you know, everything else with my behaviors. It was um, very different and very uncharacteristic of who I, you know, typically and how I typically move through the world. And so unfortunately, it resulted in a lot of loss of relationships and friendships. And, um, you know, I wasn't concentrating on school like I used to, and I wasn't, you know, didn't have the bandwidth to show up to work like I normally did. And that definitely changed the reputation that I had. You know, I was no longer this reliable, grounded leader that, you know, I had been a couple months prior, (laughs) which was intense to feel, you know. Um, And then the second kind of part of that. So that was like the reality, the truth of how it impacted my reputation. And that second piece, the fear, I think even present day, you know, I write and podcast about sexual trauma. And when I first started doing that, I was so afraid that it was going to change how people thought of me. Um, The reality is there's lots of stigmas around being a survivor. And um, yeah, I think I was afraid that, um, people would think less of me or, um, you know, I, I I tend to move through the world in a very like joyous and bubbly way. And I became really afraid that that piece of my reputation would be compromised, that people would think I was faking it or being inauthentic or, um, that that wasn't real. And, um, you know, the reality is 
survivors are full people. You know, we have lots of different sides to us. And um, it's actually been really empowering in, you know, the time that I've been public about this part of my story to see that it hasn't led to that disconnection or an unfair reputation change. It's actually been, um, yeah, a source of connection. I think a lot of people resonate with just like the humanity of having experienced something terrible, but still moving on with life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's powerful to see. And I think many of us. Yeah. Isolation. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Is what kills us the most. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. That's where shame can get. Um, Perry Power told me that, yeah. and I did an interview with him. Um, and uh, I, think mm. I think that's the hardest part because if you tell somebody, yeah, you're not sure if they're going to believe you or not, and they don't believe you, it's harder just to come. yeah yeah and speaking from my own personal experience it's almost the the other side of that same coin I had a number of people who uh knew me well and they named it for me first and said hey what happened to you like that's not okay that's assault that's rape you know like they very much um confirmed what it was but I was still in denial (laughs) you know like I still hadn't to use your words like I hadn't told myself and so it didn't matter that other people knew or were aware because I until you believe it for yourself you don't um find resources that you need and pursue the help that you need so it's it's important like you said for you to tell it to yourself first for the confidence and the protection and also because that's the that's the only way that you can actually move forward in in meaningful ways yeah 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 i think yeah kind of what i previously said i think it's a weird element to move through life knowing that you've had this experience and um you know I think I've had an interesting scope of first thinking that no one has experienced this and I'm alone and you know dealing with it in isolation and feeling always a little bit like a fraud because people don't really know what I had happened to me um and then since being just in a more public setting with this part of my story like now I've had the chance to hold in confidence that there's a lot of people that have had experiences you know under this category and um yeah I think that's really it's really confronting to 
see that with like the actual people around you it reinforces the idea that like this is real that happens to a lot of people and the stigmas are not fair you know it reinforces all those things that we know um yeah i think i just have such a greater sense of respect and um admiration for the women in my life you know i i think the, the more that i see resilience play out in my social settings the more i'm just in awe at like the the way we as humans figure out how to get back on the horse you know it's really impactful yeah yeah it's unfortunately hard but it's really true yeah yeah i think that um it's interesting the timeline um of my thought it happened the summer before my senior year of college and so that is a really really pivotal time in life um where you're making career choices and so i was making those big choices in a trauma response <laughs> so i you know there were a number, of, a number of other things going on in life you know i feel like traumas also happen in three phases <laughs> like you're never just experiencing one thing you know um yeah so i think it um launched me into uh a career path that I don't know, I don't know, it's not necessarily helpful to always, you know, play the game of like what if, but um yeah, there's there, there definitely seems to be a path that I was on and then this happened and I made a ninety degree angle turn, <laughs> you know. So I don't know, I think I'm still um kind of coming to terms with the internal scattering that I felt and the external evidence of that and trying to figure out how to um take the reflections of that in my career and you know make it make sense <laughs> i don't know if that even makes sense but. how has this impacted your faith this is a hard one because i am currently figuring it out you know if i'm just honest um it, at times uh it has brought me closer uh to my spirituality and has given me a you know heightened sense of um, my dependence on the divine but it has also made me um aware of and um, unable to accept um the realities that exist in a lot of religious settings and so you know i grew up in the church and grew up with a sense of like my own independent spirituality so the two have always been connected for me and so it feels really challenging to um separate the two and figure out what is religion and what is spirituality and where does my faith fall within that um it's it's a lot of um, you know no i mean carefully that makes sense. sifting through <laughs> um i, I yeah. mean if, i don't know if you're going to church or not but you know, when you're ready, or if you want to, I would, you know, mm. check to see if it's a trauma-informed church, and I think that's becoming more prevalent mm. um, mm -hmm. when asking about a church Yeah. before going 
um, yeah. or <laughs> synagogue or whatever. Question. Um, okay, how, ha- how has this impacted your physical health? Yeah, so uh, physically, you know, the we alluded to the book earlier, the body keeps the score, and that has been my experience. Uh, the body definitely does keep the score. Um, there's a fairly large statistic of people who have experienced uh, sexual trauma who then um, end up with an autoimmune disorder or disease, and um, I'm not a medical professional, so I can't say for sure, you know, like, if that's the reason why, but I am one of those. I'm part of that statistic. I, um, about the same time figured out that I was a celiac and, um, yeah, I think, you know, I have, um, since about 2012 been in some sort of a trauma response and, you know, only in the last five or so years, like really paid attention to my healing. And so, um, the more, the further along in my healing journey I get, the more aware of my body I am. So the more aware of my like physical health I have become. Um, yeah. So I, I think I'm noticing that like I'm throwing my neck out all the time. I have back issues. I'm holding stress, you know, like the body holds on to these things. And um, yeah, it's been a really uh, interesting journey to just even clue into that, you know? <laughs> Most definitely. Um I know so many survivors that are celiac mm. or have an autoimmune. Yeah. And it's just so yeah. incredibly prevalent. It's insane. What do you do for self care? Oh my goodness. I dance. I love dancing. <laughs> that That is my self care. And it's not just because I like it, although obviously I do. Um, it's actually been really important for me as I like process different like parts of healing. Um, because first of all, speaking of the body, it gets me back into my body. You know, I I tend to live in my head, just like floating through the world. And so dancing, you know, kind of tethers me back to the present. It, um, it's playful, it's fun. And, um, yeah, teaches me that I can feel safe uh, paying attention to my body. Okay. Um, What would you like to say to encourage other survivors? Yeah, I think if I could say anything, it would be that, uh, you know, your response to whatever trauma you're navigating, it it makes sense. Um, You know, it's not always obvious when we are operating out of a trauma response, especially if we're like just trying to like get our footing in it. Um, and in my experience, I think that's where I found a lot of, um, self-shame. So there's a reason you're responding the way you are, even if it feels out of line or dysfunctional. And, um, yeah, that's actually been so important to me that I created a little, um, little quiz actually. So, um, it helps you kind of figure out what your go-to responses are. Um, that way you can direct your healing a little bit. So if any of your listeners want to check that out, it's, um, if you go to my website, so it's carissabram.com slash quiz, and you can take it there. Okay. Um, most definitely. Um, what would you say was the most important piece of advice somebody gave you in your journey of recovering? Yeah, I had a therapist tell me once that, um, one of the, like, 
first things that I like could let go of with this belief that um, healing from trauma happens on a timeline. That's just not how it works. Um, I would. Yeah, you know, something that happened 10 years ago, like it might be presenting itself in new ways now. And that doesn't mean you've been doing it wrong or you're not healing or that you'll never heal. It's, you know, trauma kind of like to describe it as it it staples your pant leg in the past, you know, so you're physically present in the moment, but there's part of you that's, you know, kind of constantly being pulled back and, um, you know, you don't need to feel shame for that, for not getting over it quicker. Yeah. Yeah. It's a journey. All right. I think that's it. Anything else you would like to share that we have not hit on? I think that's it. Thank you for, yeah. Thanks for questions that have led to like a lot of cool, cool insights and verbally giving voice to our situations. That's important. So I appreciate it, Rachel. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Tune in next Thursday at 10 a.m. And as always, follow us on your favorite podcast platform or social media platform. And if you have any questions, reach out to rachelonrecovery.com. Thank you.